Thanks for taking time to listen to this episode of The Real Rescue Podcast. Take a minute to go to therealrescue.com to check out these and other great deals from our sponsors here at The Real Rescue. This episode of The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Access. Because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And RescueSwimmershop.com, official high-quality apparel featuring the silhouette. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG wireless ICS system can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere at any time on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise-canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With the certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering another 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment. All you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast, The Real Rescue Podcast, and they'll take care of the rest. And 15 years ago, photographer and Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 526, Chris Razok, created an iconic photograph. This photograph depicted the silhouette of a helicopter rescue swimmer reaching down for an outstretched hand in need against the American flag backdrop. The image went viral and became a symbol worldwide for the rescue community and the people they helped. 
Its wild popularity inspired Chris to launch RescueSwimmerShop.com, a web store offering official high-quality apparel featuring his evocative image, The Silhouette. T-shirts, hats, patches, and stickers featuring The Silhouette are available at RescueSwimmerShop.com, including the flagship design, So Others May Live. Follow Chris and his story on Instagram with the handle at Rescue Swimmer Shop. And if you are a rescue swimmer, support rescue swimmers, or just tell people you are one at the bar, this gear is definitely for you. When you get to the website, RescueSwimmerShop.com, enter the promo code, all lowercase, one word, rescue, R-E-S-C-U-E, for 10% off your order. Our next guest coming up is another United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer. It was an absolute pleasure to have this guy on because he's a bit of the old school because he started back when it really started getting going. Um, he actually talks about a little bit of that where he went to San Diego, never actually flew in a helicopter, and then boom, San Francisco came around and he went off the charts. Rescues, awards, the whole nine yards, the stories are coming. In addition to that, he gives us a little bit of a history lesson, which I quite enjoyed. And I hope you guys enjoy it as well. It's amazing to me how things intertwine so much in our world. And then all of a sudden, pow, it all comes together. So please welcome our next guest, United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 28, Mr. Thomas Cooney. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. (laughs) Okay, let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue. Today I've got another brother with me. I'm super pumped. United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 28, Mr. Thomas Cooney. What's up, Thomas? How are you, brother? How you doing, Jason? Man, I am awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. And, uh, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about some of your stories, and I'm just mind blown by some (laughs) of the stuff that that you've done in the past. And I'm excited for for everybody else to hear your stories. So welcome to the podcast. And uh, well, thank you. Tag, you're it. Thank Introduce you yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> so just give everybody a little bit of background, who you are, where you're from, how you joined the Coast Guard, and how the heck you got to be a swimmer. All right. Well, I am Thomas Cooney. I am United States Coast Guard, retired. I am rescue swimmer number 28. So <laughs> that helped. Oh, helicopter rescue swimmer 28. That's right, because there is a difference between helicopter (laughs) rescue swimmers and your vessel rescue swimmers. Yep, and yeah, well, I before uh, I remember the days our patches just said rescue swimmer, and then all of a sudden the the boat swimmers were using rescue swimmers and using our patches. I guess that changed everything and went back to helicopter rescue swimmer. Yep. (laughs) So. And then we added the EMT logo and the wings and, yep. Yep. <laughs> and all of a sudden Once we had a brand new patch. And... <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know what? So... For those actually that don't know, there were, so we had two patches and, and I was, 
I was in the the new logo patch, and and that's totally true. And and as soon as that happened, when everybody started seeing it, like throughout the Coast Guard in general, uh, that same rescue swimmer patch, it was like, oh no no no, we're we're different. We are totally different. So it went yeah. to okay, you know what? We're EMT basics. Let's throw an EMT patch, a little blue uh star of life and then we're gonna throw those the air crew wings on there and then it's gonna say helicopter on it <laughs> <laughs> like the one you're wearing <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah oh, yeah and, and the number thing too is uh i i gotta tell you a funny story about rescue swimmer number 28 is uh i didn't even know i had a number until after i was retired what? i went Yes. I went to a memorial for Coast Guard 1705, which is the C-130 that crashed in Sacramento. Oh, that and, a little while ago, quite a while ago. Yeah. Well, they yeah. have a memorial, I think, almost every year. And uh, I was there for one and I met uh, uh, Karen uh, Voorhees. Yeah. Voorhees. Yeah. And Karen's amazing. I, we were introducing ourselves and I knew she was an ASM swimmer and uh, she introduced herself as I'm swimmer number 515. I was like, well, I, I'm a swimmer. I was a that. swimmer too. And she goes, well, what number were you? And I'm like, number? I didn't, I didn't know I had a number. <laughs> that was my response to her. So I had to go look it up. <laughs> well, this is kind of important. I had to go look it up at Coast Guard Aviation Association the website that they have and uh it's just kind of important for everybody to kind of know especially the swimmers know that that's there because there's a lot of history up in there and uh, so it has all the list of the the swimmers by numbers right yeah. i don't know where else you would find it so and i think uh, don't quote me everybody out there but i think we are the only service that actually tracks numbers and i know the pilots used to track number like you were graduated flight school and you were pilot number blank blank but i don't yeah, i don't think do. they do that anymore oh they do oh, okay really? yeah I think I, they still do. okay let's yeah, say they still in do. the in the coast guard aviation association bulletin that they put out you see that the pilots that are graduating get their number right oh cool their okay pilot number yeah they're yeah. still doing that all right Jim, well, yeah yeah you that. can go there you can get the roster numbers um also these these certifications that you're reading you know the certificates of the air metal and dscs that you read all the time they're posted there but they're yes. only posted there by the person that has it so right even if you're not a member of, of the association go there and if you have an award get it posted up there just send it to them it's pretty easy to figure out how to get it there Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had those guys, they emailed me not too long ago. And uh, so I had an air metal that I actually it's yep. episode one and um, they didn't have that up on the site. And they actually emailed me because they, Brian Washburn was my pilot. And they were like, I guess Brian had emailed me like, Hey, I was on this case. These are my, this was my crew. And uh, so they yep. reached out to me like, Hey, Brian said that you were on this crew. Is that true? Oh, that's like, cool. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it is. Here's the award. Like, yeah, because right. I told them that too, because um, out of the crew of five with my award, there's only one person that has theirs up there. Ah. Like the two pilots and the flight mech are missing, and I'm like, <laughs> why aren't they there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 
Yeah, that's kind of important. I like to put a plug in for them just to let that history get written. Um, I'm kind of a history buff a little bit. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I agree with you. I, you know, this is, and that's one of the things I like doing about this podcast is this is a lot of history. I mean, there's a lot of oh. history that people don't know about, you know, you do the, like all of us have some amazing you, rescues. Amazing. You rescues. have no idea how important your podcast is, Jason. Aw, buddy. Is Thanks, man. Seriously, like you are documenting history firsthand, right? I'm going to tell you a story that I watched with my eyes, right? You, yeah. you can't get that unless I write it down or do this podcast with you. Right. right? And I, and I, well, I want to write it down. Yeah. <laughs> hey, now, there's a lot it, of people that up. are trying to put books out and uh, like yeah. Cavallo and uh, there's been people that put books out and I think there's room for all of us to put books out. Um, I would love to read every one of them, but right now you're, you're gathering, if you could get all thousand of us on there, that'd be crazy. Man. That'd be awesome. All right, yeah. <laughs> shout out. Let's go boys. Yeah. But these stories, you know, I've heard these stories through the grapevines, but I've never really heard them from that person. Right. Which, you know, to me is like, this is like exciting actually. Well, and I think actually shout out to a couple of the guys too, like Mike O'Dell, um, when he came on the podcast, like I, I didn't, I had no idea what he went through. Like he actually kept a lot of his rescues, you know, close to the chest and really internal. Um, whew, and that, I'm I mean, sorry. I, yeah. Steve Fry said that something too, but uh, yeah. I haven't talked about these things in 20 years. And, uh, and Steve Fry you said, are this coming is, to me. <laughs> this is Steve Fry said this is kind of like therapy, and he didn't know if it was good or bad. So I'm in the same situation. Man. No, should I, I get a I, couch like, right now? You should probably lay down. Uh, Thomas, would you like to lay down on the couch? Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's time to get it out, I guess. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> this is how swimmers do it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you're. this is so important. I'm glad you do this. I, I encourage everybody to contact you and tell us your story, you know. I don't know, like, you're always reading all these awards, but, you know, some people went through hell and did get an award, and I don't know. Very much so. No, very much so. Not every rescue comes with an award. I got an award because the pilot was good at writing it up. You know, <laughs> of course awesome. we did some crazy stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> so it was worth it. Yeah. Dang. Well, I'll tell you what, yeah. Thomas. Let's. Uh, so, bring us in. What brought you into the Coast Guard? Well, I I kind of have to weave a little history here so i want to restart i want to start before i turned the age of one okay all right. <laughs> right before i turned the age of one my mom enrolled into college full time so i was a baby like less than one years old the problem was i'm the fifth child that she's had <laughs> i'm the baby of five and nice. so she's she's going off to college and uh she went to Central Michigan University, and I say they owe me a degree because I sat on her lap for four years while she, while she got her degrees. Yeah, but you didn't take the test. Doesn't count. <laughs> oh come on! I absorbed you know it all, Hon right? Honorary, honorary degree, right there. <laughs> anyway, 
anyway, um, so when I was going to college after I retired, my mom kept saying, yeah, yeah, I used to take 21 credits every semester. And I'm like, like it never really dawned on me. I, I knew what she was saying, but like, okay, 21 credits, that's incredible, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my, my uh, brother kept, you know, he told me recently, like in the last five years or so, yeah, she graduated early. And uh, I just talked to my sister and she goes, yeah, she graduated early. She graduated after four years with her master's degree. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> with five kids in her life. <laughs> My oldest brother was like in, going into eighth grade when we moved there, and, wow. and I was a little baby. Yeah, so so my mom like went through college, had me on her lap, and then we moved to Elginac. And Elginac's a little town in Michigan, and it's quite famous for uh, Chris Craft boats. It's the home of Chris Craft boats. But uh, <clears throat> my. Uh, before my mom went to school, my grandfather bought a shop in in Algonac, and uh, it was called the Francisco Polishing and Buffing. And he had it was like 1959 or 60 somewhere around there. Okay. My mom was in school at the 62 year, and um, he his Polish and Buffing shop did a lot of work for uh, Chris Craft. They polished all the chrome and all the, you know, anything that was chrome was polished by him. And he did a lot of car parts too in Detroit. But, uh, but yeah, my dad, had, my grandpa had a big connection to Chris Craft Boats. And uh, he, he was quite, he had money. Um, he lived on the river, had a nice house and boat house and a boat. And we, we got to go to grandma and, grandma and grandpa's house to play a lot. That's always a good time. But my mom, <laughs> when she graduated, we moved to that town, to Algonac, to where my grandfather lived. And uh, of course, we didn't have money. <laughs> my mom was a teacher. She became a teacher. And my dad was a barber. And my dad got us, got her through college, cutting hair in, in Mount Pleasant. And we moved to Algonac, and he kept cutting hair. He learned that trade in the Navy when he was serving. Wow. So, so we never had a lot of money. My grandfather helped us because he owned a bunch of houses and we got to rent the house from him. We didn't, he didn't just give it to us. He made the pay rent and stuff. But. I do the same thing for my kids too. You owe me money. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the first house we lived in was on a canal and I call it the canal house. And we lived there pretty much my elementary years. And uh, it was 1966 we moved there. And if you listen to your podcast that you did with Lonnie Mixon. Oh, yeah. Lonnie Mixon, episode 32. 32. I got to tell you something about Lonnie Mixon. I, for the last decade at work, I used to have a wall of fame. Like I had my little air metal thing up there. And uh, I couldn't just leave it up there, you know, by myself. So I had to put some famous coasties up there in case somebody came by and asked about it and of course number one is you know douglas monroe because yeah every coastie has to know who douglas monroe is you know that's right the only, the only medal of honor coastie, that's right? it yes, so he's sir. on top right and then if you go to the coast guard aviation association they're all aviation 
most they're mostly all aviation medals. There's a couple of Douglas Monroe's in there. <laughs> but uh, I'm looking at them and there's one guy that just catches my eye. I think he had three DFCs. His name was Lieutenant, well, of course he made rank, but Joe Joseph Crow. Okay. Joe Crow. The name just caught me. Joe Crow. He has three DFCs. Wow. And you know, Vietnam era. So he yeah. was like one of them says he was in Southeast Asia. <laughs> it doesn't say where he's at. And another one says he was actually in Cambodia. And, so he crossed uh, the fence. We're not supposed to be in Cambodia, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. On Jocko's podcast, he's got a couple guys that talk about being across the fence, being on the other side, and then yeah. having to call the Jolly Greens to go get the boys out of harm's way because they were on the wrong wrong side at the moment. And yep. yeah, I, I can't remember what he was flying there, but yeah, it just caught me because you know, obviously when you sort them, you know, he's got three DFCs. How many people wow. have three DFCs, right? Yeah. So then the other, uh, that's two people I had up there, Douglas Monroe and Joe Crow. The third one I put up there was Lonnie Mixon. And, and Lonnie's uh, stories a, are amazing. He has a silver star. It's yes, sir. Like, it's higher than your DFC, dude. Yes, sir. And, uh, and he went into North Vietnam to rescue somebody or yeah. crew or whatever. Yep. And uh, that's how he got that silver star. So if you listen to his podcast, he said, in 1966, I went to Detroit to open up Air Station Detroit. Well, Air Station Detroit is in Southbridge Air National Guard field. And he talks about they put him in the corner in some warehouse that they weren't using. <laughs> it's still kind of over in the corner in the warehouse that nobody's using. <laughs> but, but Southridge Field, especially at the time that we moved there, it was huge. They had C-130s flying everywhere all the time. And they had, you know, the big airfield light. And the, we could see it from my grandpa's house. Okay. The airfield light across the it's like 12 miles straight across the lake to Southridge Air Force Base or Airfield over in and, and then there was an island in between so you had to have a clear day to see over the island and you know have fog up above to see the light flash by all the time so so we could actually from my grandparents house see Southridge Field and all the planes flying around well 1966 we moved there and Lonnie Mixon moves there. Wow, so what a trip. He, so, <laughs> but here's the thing is, I was, I'm going to get back to that canal house. And, uh, but we used to also live in that river house. And I was talking to my brother about an incident on the ice. And uh, he's, he just, oh, actually, I was talking to him about Lonnie Mixon opening up the air station. He goes, Oh, well, that's about the time that we got rescued by the Coast Guard helicopter. And I'm like, what? Because, <laughs> yeah, me and my friends got on a, <laughs> me and my friends got on an iceberg and the river curved. We were supposed to go into the curve and land on some dock, right, and get off. Yeah. But the wind blew the iceberg across the river and they ended up out in the lake. And the Coast Guard <laughs> helicopter had to come save them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I, I was laughing because i never heard that story before and i was just about 
ready to tell him about the time that I rode an iceberg. And <laughs> I was laughing so hard, not because he got saved by the Coast Guard, but because when I rode the iceberg, we had to get rescued by the fire department. <laughs> and my dad was standing on shore when the fire department brought us in, <laughs> in a boat. You know, they had to like get a boat out there and save us. <laughs> but I just laughed because I was like, now I know why my dad was so mad when we were riding the icebergs because <laughs> you, my brother, did the same thing a decade before me. <laughs> But, oh yeah, my so, gosh. so we back at the canal um i don't know if it was the first year or the second year that we lived there but uh um we we're my sister was out skating on the canal with her best friend amy and uh, my dad got my skates on me and i tromped out of the ice and you know i had to go tag out with my sister and her friend right and i skated up to him and plush, we went through the ice and I was like, I don't know. I think something, I don't want to say this because Jeff Tunk said it, but you know, something lifted him. Yeah. I think something lifted me out of that ice and it threw me back up on the ice. And really, I think I just hit the bottom and jumped and tried to get back up on the ice. But I turned around and like my sister's like drowning. And Amy, her friend, is like trying to grab the seawall because there's like a, a steel seawall, right? And yeah. uh, I'm up on the ice on the other side because they were up next to the seawall. I was back out in the middle of the ice. I went running, screaming, yelling, I killed her, I killed her, I killed her. I went running up to our house. We didn't have a seawall. We had like rocks and mud. And I went running up the mud and got on the sidewalk and we had stairs about nine stairs high and my dad was standing at the top of the stairs and I was like I killed her I killed her I killed her she's in the water and my dad goes out there well I guess Amy had gotten up on the seawall but my sister was still down in the water and she couldn't she was so cold she couldn't move anymore and my dad reached down and grabbed her and pulled her up Holy and God. So I'm like five years old at this time, five, six years old at the most. <clears throat> so I've never really said that story to anybody. I told my brother that story probably seven, eight years ago when we were talking, but I never talked to my sister about it. And wow. so the other day I, I brought it up to her. I goes, you remember us? me you and amy falling through the ice and she goes yep and i was like well you tell me what happened and she goes i don't know what happened wow still don't know what happened so i told her my story that i went running and dad came out and saved her and she goes she's quiet for a little while and she goes you remember saving me again another time on the ice well we, my grandfather and grandmother, he, they retired and they went to Florida and stayed in Florida year round. So we rented the river house, like when I was in junior high and high school. And uh, I think it was Amy again. We were out there skating and it was a beautiful place to skate because we had, uh, I think I sent you like Google Maps so you should look it up where it was. Yeah. We had like, French long lots, right? 
because we had riverfront house and the front was the waterfront. We didn't call the road the front. That was the back, the garage and stuff. <laughs> yeah, real thin lots. And then we had a boathouse out at the end. It was like, had two boat stalls, but the dock was like 120 feet out. And our dock went out on the left side of our boathouse and our neighbor's dock went out on the right side of their boathouse and they had a two boat boathouse. So between the two docks, we had a four boat boathouse, like almost, wow. there's like a little separation, but uh, that made a perfect ice skating rink because it was shallow. That was the shallow end on that side of the boathouses. And uh, my sister reminded me that we were getting on the ice to go skate in the shallow end and she went too close to the boathouse because it gets deeper and the current like melts the ice away. Yep. I was already on the ice. She got on the ice and then Amy was getting on the ice and she went over by the boathouse and fell through. And I had my hockey stick. So I like got on the ice and I reached out and had her grab my hockey stick and we pulled her up. <laughs> so by the time I'm probably like freshman in high school, maybe <laughs> I oh saved my, my sister gosh. twice. Jeez, oh man, you started young. <laughs> wow. We were, we were pretty crazy. I mean, um, I learned, I was the last of five. So all the, all the traditions were handed down to me. So, so out in the, out past the boathouse, there was a platform. Do you need to answer something? <laughs> out past the boathouse, there was a platform and, uh, that's where the deep end was. Well, if you jumped off the end of the platform, it that's where the the river went deep. You could go down 20 feet before you touch the bottom up there. Wow. Uh, and then river is probably like 35, 40 feet deep in the middle. And it's probably like a half a mile across to the island from our from our boathouse. But there's a ladder out on the platform that goes to the top of the boathouse, and the peak of the boathouse is like 33 feet in the air because it's a two-boat boathouse, right? So you're going the rule, this. I, I'm seeing the it. For the last 20 years with my uncles and my brothers and my sisters and all the neighbors was if you go up the ladder, you don't come down the ladder. <laughs> and if you go up on the roof, you have to jump off at the peak because the spilings everywhere else is too dangerous. You have to go to the top and jump off the 33 feet high hoop. <laughs> I'm in, I, sign me up. <laughs> so, and if you went up there, you couldn't go back down because that was the rule, but you couldn't stay up there either because it was so hot on the shingles. That <laughs> you, you had about three minutes where you had to decide to jump off. <laughs> It was, it was quite, you know, and then the current, <laughs> when you jump in, there's like a three mile an hour current. So by the time you get back up, you're already down the river. <laughs> Floating down the river. Oh my gosh. So you got to swim your butt off to get back to the platform. And so, yeah, so you're just training to be a swimmer. <laughs> oh God. We, I spent, I don't know if I spent more time in the water in the summer or the winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we used to play tag like between the boathouses and 
you hide in the boats, right? You can pick yeah. a boat and hide in it. And I, my favorite thing to do is go underneath the docks because the water is pretty high back then. And, uh, you know, they could see your legs under there, but you could like lay down and like there's a little air gap between the, <laughs> between the platform where you they walk, right? You could hide up in there as long as you got your feet up, right? We used to play tag. We'd have like 20, 25 kids playing tag, shallow in, deep in, off, off the roof. We used to jump over to the other roof. Oh <laughs> I used to like, gosh. I used to like put my hands between both roofs and just like let go and go, <laughs> go down. <laughs> it was awesome, man. We had a great time. Uh, Algonac is a very marshy area. It's like the, you know, it's part of the Great Lakes, Lake St. Clair, or St. Clair Rivers dumping into Lake St. Clair. And okay. it's a big delta. There's a lot of islands and it's, it's really marshy. Matter of fact, our, our mascot at school's name was the Muskrats. Oh, nice. <laughs> so we were the mighty, mighty Muskrats. <laughs> I'm not sure those two go hand in hand, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> so, so in the winter, like, like the neighborhoods would play hockey. You know, this group had their hockey team and, you know, come over today on Thursday, we're, we're the home team, right? So we would skate through the marshes and the canals and go from this neighborhood. And, you know, we sometimes I'd be skating six, seven miles just to go to play hockey over in some other neighborhood. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it was all by these canals back out in the marshes and stuff. And so there's a few times that like I've fallen through the ice, just like with my sister when I was a little older, like skating up to my friends and kaploosh. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> fall, damn it. Through, fall through to your like, like your waist, you know, and yeah. get back up and have to skate home for four or five miles in the freezing cold. <laughs> Except for I learned one thing. When you fall through and it's freezing cold and your pants, your blue jeans are all wet yeah. and they turn to ice, they make really good hockey pads. <laughs> so, so we're skating home and here's a hockey game and i'm like hey i can play goalie <laughs> oh my, my pants are all frozen <laughs> yeah oh. <laughs> oh that's so funny <laughs> and, and i i'm not the only one people i talk to from my hometown that's <laughs> same story <laughs> i'm sure there's there should be like two or three other swimmers from that town. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, so yeah, so we lived on the river house and um, I, I told you the story about the icebergs. You never, you could ride them in the shallow end because it would just go from one dock to the other, right? The current would take you from one dock to the other, but out in the deep end. <laughs> You're gone. You fell off one of those icebergs? You know, it's 30 feet deep out there. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, yeah, so one day, our fr my friend, two of my friends decided we're going to ride the iceberg down to their dock and hopefully run into a close one. <laughs> and we ran into a dock, all right. We, we got into a boathouse, but there was no dock to the land. So <laughs> we were stuck in the boathouse. And obviously, the iceberg was gone because we jumped off of it <laughs> onto the dock, you know. <laughs> Like we we're waiting for the next iceberg or, you know, we didn't know what we were going to do. All of a sudden we seen the red lights flashing on the land. They came, put their boat in and 
got us out of the boathouse and took us to shore. And there's my dad. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I just dealt with this 10 years ago with your brother. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell me that. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. That's Algonac. I tell you, um, there's one thing I didn't, I didn't join the Coast Guard out of Algonac. I joined it out of Houston, but when I was like a senior in high school, out my window, the Coast Guard helicopter came and they were on that island across the river. It's about a half mile. Yeah. One thing my brother didn't do that I did is we skated across the river one day. It Usually it never froze smooth because it was all these icebergs jamming up because yep. of the current and the coast guard would come and crash it up with the icebreakers and stuff but one year it froze perfectly smooth and we were like skating out in the deep end because it was so thick it froze for like nine days oh wow and we decided we're gonna be we're gonna skate to the other to the island over there so we grabbed our hockey sticks right saved my sister with no <laughs> no we grabbed our hockey sticks and we skated across and we got across and like that was the dumbest thing we ever did now we got to go back <laughs> but we made it back and i don't think anybody any other year had ever done that wow there was never another year you could do that and i'm claiming fame that i did that <laughs> nobody else effort the two buddies i was with <laughs> oh my gosh that's awesome yeah so so later when i was a senior i was looking out the window and the coast guard a rainy crappy day and the coast guards hovering over the island over there and uh, i found out they were there for like an hour and a half or so i don't know and then they didn't move very far the whole time well, I found out the next day that they recovered a body of one of my boss, my former boss's son. And uh, that always stuck in my mind, the picture of the 52 hovering over there. You know, I just sat there and watched it for the whole time. Yeah. Found out it was my, my boss's son, which oh. he was a pretty, he wasn't, a, I knew him, you know, but he wasn't a great friend, but. It was like, yeah. that was a big loss for the, for our city that Stan Lipinski lost his life and the Coast Guard recovered him. He was out there trapping muskrats because <laughs> wow. they were worth a lot of money, but he must've fell out of his boat and drowned out there. So yeah, that's. Uh, so you had a lot of exposure to the Coast Guard while you were there between yeah. the helicopters rolling out and uh, icebreakers coming through. So like, oh, yeah, the, yeah. you know, it's like those little innuendos like, hey, look, Coast Guard. Hey, look, Coast Guard. Hey, look, well, Coast Guard. <laughs> my grandfather took that canal house and he, it used to be a duplex before we moved in. He made it a one house. But when we moved out, he changed it back to a duplex. And eventually we moved back there, um, like right my senior year or something. And, uh, the people that rented the downstairs were coasties at a small boat station on Harrison's Island. And that small boat station's not there anymore. And my mom and her friends were all auxiliaries. Oh, wow. 
So, God, you so got I, Coast I Guard you. in the blood all the way. I know your grandfather was Navy, but like, or yeah, sorry, your well, dad, dad, your dad, your dad was Navy, yeah. right? So your dad was Navy, but so, it was Coast Guard. So all the way. it made it easy though, because I told you I didn't recruit out of Michigan. I recruited out of Houston, yep. and I walked into the building down in Houston, in the federal building, and it's huge. It's like Grand Central Station, man. And the five recruiting offices are right next to each other. And I got there and they're all like, every one of them, the Marines, the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force, they're all packed, right? And people yeah. are like, nah, nah, nah. and then the Coast Guard ones at the end, and it's like nice and quiet down there. <laughs> so it's like, hey, I know the Coast Guard. <laughs> <laughs> so there I go. I signed up. And uh, <laughs> I, I the next day I told my, oh, that night I told my friend and he's like, why didn't you tell me? And I was like, I would have signed up with you. So the next day we were back there in the morning and he's signing up. And so we were supposed to go off to boot camp together, but I had ear problems and uh, I had to delay for like five months to get my ears cleared up. And he, so your buddy went, he, had, <laughs> he was already through A school before I joined. Came oh in. my gosh yeah he became a radio man <laughs> got sent to alaska and then <laughs> yeah so i joined when i when i finally went to boot camp i arrived february 7th 1983 wow about five days later one of the biggest things in coast guard history happened I yes sir five days yeah. And you're talking about the case that happened off Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Actually, it was just off Virginia Beach area. So yeah, like between yeah. the two. But that was that was a day that they lost 22 people. And Congress came back and said, Coast Guard, why couldn't you save them? And they're like, well, we don't have a rescue swimmer. And they're like, why don't you have rescue swimmers? And then poof, the U.S. Coast Guard Oof. was mandated by Congress to create the rescue swimmer program. Yeah. All that's because it. of the marine electric. That's, that's right. And as a matter of fact, uh, for everybody that doesn't know that full story, uh, I actually did an asterisk episode on that case, and we kind of review that. It's it's an amazing story. And, crazy. Yeah, and it's it's like what's kind of cool about it is the fact that ah, uh, cool about it. I, that's a poor choice yeah. of words. It was tragedy that turned into what we have Good. today. So yeah, like the tragic the lives lost i think it was 22 people that lost their lives that day the thousands that have been saved since then yep. so their their deaths are not in vain their deaths have created a program that have saved thousands thousands of people it's amazing i think uh, i think i read that the coast guard before katrina saved like 5700 lives with the coast guard rescue swimmer program wow Wow. after Kerchina that exploded right you oh know? yeah 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 so yeah it the countless life saved because of the marine electric yeah which is a, it's a great book it's a great story please go check it out yeah. there's all kinds of things there's something on the, i think the history channel and, yep but uh <clears throat> interesting yeah, you're at boot camp was, when that happened wow i'm at boot camp so i didn't join the coast guard to be a rescue swimmer i didn't there was no rescue swimmer yeah and uh there's a there's a I have to mention his name. There was a Navy rescue swimmer that pulled the 
I forgot how many saved seven. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Because they did call both, the Navy in. He used yeah. both the Navy helicopter and the Coast Guard helicopter. He right. was like putting them in both helicopters. His name was John McCann, I think. I know his last name was McCann, but yeah. You, I'm, you're I'm getting all these swimmers yes. on there. That would be cool. Yeah. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but. <laughs> oh, I'd love to have that story. My yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, the the Marine Electric happened. Well, anyway, at boot camp, I didn't I didn't even know any about it because they didn't tell us. We were just getting our hair cut, you know, <laughs> marching around the field by that time. <laughs> hair gets buzzed. And... <laughs> yeah, so I could talk forever about boot camp, but the one thing I have at boot camp is um, my billet pick. I never volunteered for anything. Somebody told me don't don't volunteer to be, you know, CC or company commander. Don't do that stuff, man. Just, just do what you got to do and get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> so I was in a big, big boot camp class. I thought it was like eighty-seven of us when we started. Eighty-seven. And, uh, yeah. You know the other services are looking at us like that. Really, eighty-seven? Yeah. Please. Yeah, I know. Coming from uh, <laughs> Alameda's, we had one hundred fifty when we went through it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh. So you know we we grad we billet picked like with sixty the high sixties. I don't know what happened to the rest of the people who got reverted and stuff, but uh, I was picking number seventeen out of sixty some. Oh, that's pretty good. I'm well done. That's, that's not bad. You know, I'm in the top yeah. third. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know who picks first is the CC and the assistant company commander and the yeoman yeah. and right all the, the the people that volunteered. The people that volunteered get to pick first. <laughs> Don't volunteer for right? anything, but then I get my first pick. Come on. What the heck? <laughs> so so I'm looking at the billet list, right? And they're picking away and I'm scratching off the ones they pick and got to be my pick. And I'm looking at it and there's two, two buoy tenders in Oregon and the rest are all in Alaska. And nobody's taken in Alaska yet. So either I was going to Oregon or I was going to Alaska. <laughs> so, All right. So I was like, well, going to Alaska, check it out. So the guy called my name and on that list, there was one that he didn't know what they were. They're all acronyms, you know, CGC, you know, Coast Guard Cutter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, number right. And stuff, Sherman or whatever. <laughs> and and uh, one of them had handwritten next to it, S and Q. I mean, it said stay Juno and it had handwritten S and Q. So the guy calls my name and I was, excuse me, uh, what's this S and Q next to stay Juno? And uh, he goes, that's substance and quarters. You'll have to live off base. I'll take that. <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> so I'm on my way to Alaska. And because of that, the guy, the, uh, <laughs> After, after everybody picked and they were leaving, I went up to the senior chief that was doing the billet picking and uh, I go, well, since I have to live off base, like how am I gonna get from my house or apartment that I gotta rent to the base? And he goes, you got a vehicle? I said, yeah, I got a vehicle in Houston. <laughs> he goes, well, I'll write you, come back and see me. I'll write you orders. And so I had to, I got out of boot camp. I flew back to Houston, got in my truck, drove it to New Orleans, put it on the ship at the army base, 
and they shipped it all the way to Alaska. <laughs> so oh my a month God. later, I got my truck. I was <laughs> driving around <laughs> Alaska in my truck. <laughs> so Alaska is pretty important. Because <laughs> now I'm going to A school, right? And I signed up for the crazy schools. MST, um, what was the other one? Another one that took, oh, PA, photojournalist. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And ASM, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so MST is Marine Science Technician. It, they do a lot of the. Um, actually, I don't even want to speak to what they do. Weather. They do, they, yeah, they have a whole bunch of different uh, yeah. jobs that they do. And then the PA, Public Affairs, pictures, writing articles, making the Coast Guard look yep. amazing. Whoop whoop. So, yeah, and yep. then and then ASM. I was on all three lists, and they all had like two year waits. Oh wow! <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, so ASM came up first. I'm like, okay, you know, like everybody else says, you, the chief is like, are you going to go jump out of helicopters? I think actually I was on Commandant's Bulletin. I was on the cover of Commandant's Bulletin when I was in Alaska. Wow. Look we, at were you. Doing, uh, we were doing helo ops with uh, Air Station Sitka, you know, doing the basket hoist. And yeah. The, the district PA was down on our boat taking pictures, right? So you can see the the helicopter really good, and you can see us tending the trail line and stuff. And then you turned your face to your good side and with a little flex. I can't. Like... <laughs> I I really can't prove that that was me doing on in the picture because there was several of us back there doing. But the I'm going to say it was you. Right? But it was me, yeah. <laughs> And that was that was Coast Guard. I don't know what number it was from Sitka. <laughs> I actually think it was the timing of that. It could have been Steve Fry up there as a flight mech. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. So I don't know. You have to ask him if he thinks he was on the cover of Commandant's magazine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, come on, yeah, Steve. So, we're gonna have to reach out. Let's yeah. let's call. So I go off to A school and. Uh, <laughs> Class number nine. ASM ASM class. ASM class Aviation nine, survival Yep. And this is we, 1985. So they had just, just started the rescue swimmer program. Okay. So over at the air station, actually, uh, I'm going to mention um, Butch Flythe because I used to work for him and I know him a little Butch bit. Flythe. Butch Flythe. Butch Flythe was in, he, he he was was in on class he yep. was in class seven and yep. three people in class seven went to swimmer school with farmer but not right as part of the school so the first class that went to swimmer school in pensacola as part of the school was actually class eight and wow. there's rumors about class eight that I'm not going to talk about because I didn't witness it. You'll have to get somebody out of class eight, but the famous DOR and their armpits. You ever uh, heard that story? No, I do not know that story. You know what? We're, we'll wait find, and we'll get somebody from that find class. Find somebody from class eight. Yeah. You ask Calling somebody that. from class eight, ASM class eight. We, we want to hear what this is all about. Yep. <laughs> So, so class nine that I'm in, we have to go to Pensacola right after that incident. But those guys that did that came back and they were in big trouble at the A school. 
they like put a bad name on the eighth school and there was i don't know what the hell happened um they should have looked at us in class nine and said that's not going to happen with you guys but what happened was that the instructors came there was a 12-week school that we were an asm school and we were the last class that was going to go to pensacola as petty officers so my shirt oh. says po3 cooney right yeah and uh, instead of airmen um the and next that's because class, you had, well real quick that's because you had gone through uh aviation survivalment school and we, you yeah, once graduated, you graduated you then got on. advanced to e4 so yep. a lot of people didn't know we that yeah yeah that so that, we put our we put yeah. our crows on that friday and they put us on an airplane to pensacola and we were waiting monday morning to get hell so people understand uh like now it, at the current like rescue swimmer school you go through rescue swimmer training and basically aviation survival maintenance training all the the side job that the rescue swimmers do in the coast guard and then to collectively together you pin your crows on you know you advance and when you graduate uh that school yeah. so the fact yeah, you that guys you are, were advanced. You guys are way more professional than we were. <laughs> right, well, <laughs> but what happened was, you know, they should have they should have took a lesson from class eight because there. I don't know what I'm not going to explain what happened, but there was some guys that graduated from class eight. They stayed there and finished, and I think there was like five of them. And uh, uh, they should have took our class and just said, "You're not going to do that down there. Get your act together." But what happened was, is they went out. And they quit on us. Oh. I mean, we didn't, we didn't, the stuff that you guys are doing, we didn't know anything about it. We would go to school all day. And then after school for two hours, we would go over to the gym and change and then work out in the field and run a mile and get to the pool. Once a, once a week, once a week, we got to go to the pool. Wow. This is why so you were the, in ASM school, school for the Coast Guard. This is before you go to Pensacola. Before Pensacola. Yeah. All right. So one they day had no we... program really to get us oh, ready. Oh man. They had a couple people that failed and they knew how to work out a little bit. Yeah. Like Jerry Sanavi, he got injured and Parsons also was there. But they quit on us. Like in it was a 12-week class. About week seven, they came out there and said, You guys are all idiots. You know, you're on your own. Well, it was probably the best thing they ever did. Because we all went and worked out. We we didn't quit. We all got together and worked out as we were. Yep. And so we're out in the field working out. And one day, Butch Flight comes running down the road and sees us working out like we're ASMs. We think we're ASMs. And uh, he goes, what the heck you guys doing, man? Well, we're, we're working out, but the instructors quit on us. So we don't really know what to do. And Butch goes, what? You know, he's a third class passer, just got done with swimmer school. They're starting the program yeah. over at East City with Farmer. And for those that don't remember, Butch Flight is rescue swimmer number five. five. Like he yeah. was one of the first guys, you know, we class seven, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so I, and he's I, been I, on I, this podcast as well. And his story is just like amazing. It's awesome. So anyway, so I, I always talk. I think I talked to you a little bit. I like labeled the first eight. They're gods, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I think I have a better label for them because I don't think they like that being called gods because they were just you know the first ones. But I heard uh, I heard one of the coaches I like watching hockey, and one of the coaches from the Sharks was one of the announcers from the Sharks was used to be the coach when they first the first team of the Sharks. Okay. And he was talking to one of the players that is now a coach, and he goes, "You're one of the originals." So yep. I think the first eight should be the originals. The original, I like that. Calling yep. them the originals for sure. Those guys stood duty for like a whole year before anybody else stood duty. They they yeah. got that program going in East City, and the second air station was San Francisco. A year later, more than a year later. Wow. Yeah. So so they stood a lot of duty and did things that nobody else ever done <laughs> for a, over a year. Yeah. So. So Butch Blake, he runs down there and he goes, well, I'm going to work you guys out. I'll get you ready for Pensacola. I'll show you what you got to do. Oh, and, man. Go Butch. Man. I think him and Kelly Gordon came down a few times and then Scott Dwyer a few times. And, you know, they just worked us out, you know. And uh, what happened, too, is <laughs> this, this kind of ties in a little history, too, but I was so sick of eating at the galley there in East City. So we'd go to school eight hours a day, three o'clock in the afternoon. We'd go over to the field, work out for two, two and a half hours. And supposedly we were supposed to go back to the barracks and eat something to eat, right? And as yeah. always, we always got there last and we always had the worst, you know, what's left over. We don't have that anymore. So I decided, the heck with that, I'm running the farm fresh. So I'd leave my clothes at the gym. I'd after we got worked out, after we worked out, I would run to Farm Fresh in Lisbon I, City. So downtown? Like five, it was like 5.6 miles away. I don't is, is it not there? Not Farm Fresh, uh Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I'd run to the grocery store, I'd buy a big old sandwich, and then the morale bus would come around and I'd get on it and it'd take me back to Elizabeth City. So, so you so do for a, this, basically a two-hour workout, change, run a five. No, I didn't change. I didn't change. Oh, I just, oh, I just, just uh, then run about five miles, it was go 5. to the grocery store. Five, all right, so uh, let's not cut you short. 5.6 <laughs> miles, go to the grocery store. And then I'd get on the bus, go back. I would eat the sandwich. By the time I got back to the barracks, I was done eating. <laughs> I was back at the <laughs> barracks, right? <laughs> every night and Honest. i wasn't the only runner in our class we had some great runners like steve larati and johnson and oh, um lawrence those guys all ran like every night man and uh after a while some of them started running with me to the store afterwards <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> you guys are solid <laughs> so so I didn't think I was even going to get through swimmer school, man. It was like when we got there, so we get to Pensacola. Pensacola now. Yep. We get to Pensacola and um, things are going good. Hell day comes up on that first Friday, right? Oh, you didn't go to Pensacola. Sorry. I didn't go to Pensacola. So <laughs> you got a big audience here. Yeah. I do want to be careful because. I, I don't want to give away everything that happens at school. So <laughs> hell week is uh or hell day is well, hell, hell day. The, the seals <laughs> have hell week, right? Yes. 
We only have... had Hell Day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll leave so Hell, Day's, <laughs> Hell Day's the first Friday. We get there, you know, oh, dark 30, you know, hour before we normally got there, or so hour and a half, it's sun's just cracking up. And they get us out in front of the pool and they form us up. We have a, had a big swimmer class too. I think it was either 80, I think it was eight, 82 people in our swimmer class. Wow. And there were 13 Coasties, two Marines, and the rest Navy guys. Okay. <laughs> so they form us up in two, in, in double file. And all us Coasties are in the back, right? And we're all back there. <laughs> we're going for a run. <laughs> <laughs> and the instructor comes back there and he goes, get up there and lead this line. And I had a nickname because <laughs> of a movie that just came out that sounds a lot like my last name. <laughs> the movie Goonies that just came out. Oh my So my gosh. nickname was Goonie. So it was Goonie, get up and lead this line. So I was like, I'm running up there and I hear all the Coasties back there. They're all laughing. And I'm like, what are you laughing about? And I get up to the front and the instructor... Uh, in my line there's two instructors yeah and the one in front of my line goes don't lose me I'm like, okay so we're running you know we go by the brig and all that stuff and you know, i don't know how far they ran us it was like about five miles into it <laughs> i'm like right behind the guy right and yeah all of a sudden my instructor like starts striding he's like kicking in you know, after five or six miles, he's like putting the burners on. Okay. And so I stayed right behind him. And then we pulled up to the pool and I turned around. There's like three guys behind me and there's nobody in the other line. <laughs> <laughs> instructor turns around and goes, good job. And the other line finally comes up. And the instructor stops him right there and turns around and he goes, what the hell are you doing? We're running in formation, sailor. Don't you know how to run in formation? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I just looked at him and was like, he told me not to lose him, and I didn't lose him. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Coasties are all back there laughing because they knew I ran every night for five or six miles. They knew that the instructors were trying to bust my butt and get me kicked out, right? They were trying to get me first, the old chubby swimmer guy from the wow. Coast Guard. <laughs> Ran him into the dirt, man. <laughs> but, well done, sir. It was hell. It was hell day. And um, the run was fun, but that was just the beginning, right? <laughs> so... So uh, somebody, I think it was, uh, sorry to mention another name. I think it was Hathaway. He Steve was in Hathaway. class behind me. He was in class 10. He mentions Petty Officer Mitchell at swimmer school. Okay. Pastor Mitchell has got white hair. He's, I'm six foot tall. He's about six foot three or four and, and like a hundred more pounds than me. And my biggest weakness at swimmer school was doing push-ups. 
So every time that the whistle blew, and you know what happens when the whistle blows when you're at yeah. swimmer school, you get down as either formation or flutter kits, right? Every time that whistle blew, Pastor Mitchell was next to my shoulder, you know, lean and rest. And he would like just stare at me. And I would just stare at him and it was like, up, oh, uh, uh. I became like Mr. Hydraulics when I was at swimmer school because of Pastor Mitchell. But at first, I didn't think I was, was going to make it because I hated doing push ups and pull ups. Wow, that's so funny. <laughs> hey, you know what? We all hated something for sure. There's a mental. He was my best friend at summer school. Wow. <laughs> Just like everybody else. But yeah, so so at A school, we uh we went down there as periesters, right? But uh right. we had our we had our billets before we went. And I got San Diego. And there oh, was nice. Some, some people that were really mad at me. But what they didn't realize was I was overseas before That's I That's right, because you were coming from Alaska. I was coming from and when we went, it wasn't Pete, it wasn't permanent change of station. We were only there for temporary duty. So <laughs> so nice. I got I got I had my billet before we went to school. You guys all talk about a movie, you know, that inspired you guys to join the coast guard and be rescue swimmers the movie the guardian right yeah, yeah. that was uh, that was, was well awesome. I, I was already a swimmer by then so that was not my motivation <laughs> i was retired when that came out. i was going to college when that came up oh, I, I was all it. excited there's a movie about my life yeah yeah and i go watch it it's like an hour and a half long two hours long right and i'm like they summed up my whole life in like an hour and a half <laughs> <laughs> What a drag. Uh, <laughs> but I had a phone call when I was at A school. Hey, you're going to be in a movie. And I'm like, well, I'm about ready to get on the airplane and go to Pensacola. And that's fine. But uh, all I really want to do is get through Pensacola. before, <laughs> Right. Well, when we finished Pensacola and graduated and got back to East City, I had to go back to Alaska to get all my household goods because it wasn't yep. permanent change of station <laughs> my truck i had to go get my truck yeah yeah so they flew me back to alaska i took like 30 days off they gave me i had like 15 days to go to alaska and get to san diego and then i took 30 days off and so i i get to san diego i'm the first rescue swimmer that shows up at the air station and uh, Senior Chief Burns, Larry Burns, was there. <laughs> okay. I'll come aboard, man. He takes me through the ASM shop doors. There's the ASM shop. There's a couple double doors on the other side. There's the H3s in there. They're all in the hangar. Walks me, excuse me, he walks me back out the front door and he goes, see that plane over there against the blast fence? He goes, you're going to get to know that. <laughs> So I didn't even fly on helicopters. I got to San Diego and I was a drop master on this Falcon, HU-25 Falcon. Yeah, we actually talk about that quite a bit here in some of our previous episodes that when the rescue swimmer program started, it was, it was not, it was, they were not on board, like the Coast Guard mm -hmm. in general 
air stations, pilots, air crew members, they were like, we don't need swimmers. I didn't need them before. I don't need them now. So it took a long time to really yep. get swimmers implemented. Yeah. So and plus it was slow to get them ramped up. Like I said, it took a year before they got to the second station. Right. And then they started doing all the H3 places. Well, we had H3s when I got to San Diego and I never even flew in one. Well, you were I in San even, Diego? I no, never no, flew what? in a helicopter. I, I was a drop master extraordinaire, man. I was like an instructor and I made second class. They made me standboard, you know, station standboard member. And I, you you could have called me an AD, man. I was over in the oh. AD shop on the Falcon side, changing engines and up in the hell. And yeah, I didn't have anything wow. to do with helicopters until uh, we, we sent our H3s to San Francisco in 86 right after they 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 implemented in the h52s i think they were the only station that implemented the 52s as rescue swimmers but we gave them the h3s and we got the brand new h65s oh god they were like beautiful <laughs> brand new pieces of plastic right <laughs> and they started flying us as emts so i started flying the helicopters as an emt in san diego and these but, uh, beautiful new like whistling whistle things little... yeah yeah <laughs> oh god i i had vertigo one day because all the gadgets and we were out flying to san clemente island and i couldn't see nothing but black in the gat all the dash digital cubes you know and the pilots in actually the red got vertigo everything <laughs> they actually got vertigo man if we didn't come up on the island we were gonna crash <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah but uh the lights from the island kind of straightened us out and oh man but uh <laughs> so so i'm in san diego and i make second class and i'm flying in the falcons having a good time and all of a sudden hey you're going to san francisco i got i got a call from the deep oh the movie thing i show up in san diego and i was supposed to have been in top gun you gotta what? let them go sir wait a minute wait a minute that was supposed to be you <laughs> Oh, that's what they called me and said, but I took too scene? much time off oh, and I missed the movie. <laughs> Dang it. You have to that's talk like to an else iconic about who did the movie. Just for like <laughs> Coast Guard Rescue Swimmers. I missed it. If I would have known, I wouldn't have not taken 30 days off. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that, 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 I don't, I mean, other than the movie, The Guardian, that is like the scene for Coast Guard Rescue Swimmers. Like oh, H3 rolls in, jumps out. What are you talking about? Everybody you're knows wrong. All, you're right. Wrong. all right, those okay. two, those two, like one's greater than the other because it's all about the Coast Guard, and then the little one with the, the, the navies it has the Coast Guard. But there was something way before this. All right, before influenced Top Gun? me. Let's talk about the show Flipper. Okay. <laughs> I don't know the show Flipper. You never watched Flipper? No. Oh gosh, you never watched the Top Gun a thousand times. <laughs> All right, the Coast Guard. I mean, the show Flipper ran for like four years, from 1964 to 68 or something like that. And uh, it was about a dad that had two boys, and he was like a park ranger in Florida in the Keys. And uh, you know, they had a dolphin as a pet, right? Okay. Oh God, I wanted to go to Florida so bad as a kid. 
<laughs> my mom actually took me to Marine World in Miami so I could go see Flipper when I was like nine years old. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I, think I petted him. <laughs> so anyway, the show Flipper, look at season one, episode one. Okay. I'm going to look that up. So they call the Coast Guard to go get Flipper because they need him from over there to come over here to help find something. So the Coast Guard helicopter goes and picks up Flipper the dolphin and Sandy, one of the sons, and flies over to where the dad is who needs the rescue. And they're come in hovering in a 52 from Miami. And the pilot's up there by himself and he has a gold helmet that says Navy. <laughs> he's flying oh my and there's actually a coast guard flight mech in the back right <laughs> they pull on scene and they pull into a hover about 10 feet high and they flip, flip her out the door like a swimmer and then sandy <laughs> goes running out the door boom he dies in man, from the helicopter so he's like the first coast guard rescue swimmer no <laughs> No, no, um, no, I, I don't care. No, I'm, eh, I'm going to disagree. I'm, I'm arguing. I'm going back to Top Gun. <laughs> Flipper, season one, episode one. All right. I, you know what? I'll give it to you, but then Top Gun. I know Top Gun. Uh, you got to yeah. let him go, sir. You got to let him go. Yeah, that was Bertrand Kelly. He wasn't even a rescue swimmer. True statement. <laughs> right. Could have been I Thomas Cooney. I showed up to San Diego and he was my roommate in the barracks there. And he had on the on the coffee table, he had a signed uh, script from um, Tom Cruise. Oh, that's and, awesome. And the whole cast. The whole cast signed it, right? That's super cool. <laughs> he goes, this could have wow. been you. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. uh, so um, this this brings me to what I really wanted to talk to you about is sure. welcome, to, welcome to San Francisco. So I get, now, I get orders. I make second class like in August or September of 87. And the detailer calls me up. You got to go to San Francisco dude, early. I need you up there like in February. Okay. So I get orders to San Francisco. I show up to San Francisco Steve Fry is the first class petty officer there running the shop. The chief is the chief that was my instructor back in A school. Oh. Who was a first class then, who hates, who hated rescue swimmers. He's yep. the one that quit on us. Um, and he didn't want anything to do with the swimmers in San Francisco when we were there. So Steve Fry was on his own. He ran that shop. He ran the whole swimmer program. I show up and there's four guys there. Okay. Standing the duty in H3s. Wow. Four. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's rough. It was murder. It was murder. I got sent that's, there. That's crazy. One of you the know guys what? Actually, got... I remember Steve Fry talking about that. So he was actually on this podcast as well. And he's episode 60. But he, I, I do remember him talking about that. Like they were, they were one in four. And when you're talking one in four, you're on duty for 24 hours and then you come off and, but you still got to go to work the other two days. And then you're back on duty for another 24. Ooh. Yeah. I got, I got shipped up there early because one of the guys got kicked out of the Coast Guard. And 
So then there are one and threes, and they need a guy now that's been through summer well, school. No, they were down. In. They got down to one and four. Oh, um, gotcha, I, gotcha. When I showed up, it was like, oh, thank you. It wasn't like, thank you, you're, you're here. It was like, get your suit on. We're going for the your stand check. Oh, right? wow. I think in two days, I finished my six flights. <laughs> <laughs> I went for a flight in the morning, a flight in the afternoon, an evening flight, and then the next day, a flight in the morning, a flight in the afternoon, and then a night flight. I was I was qualified in two days. <laughs> Jeez, oh, man. And then it was like, okay, now you can stand the duty with us. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> It was kind of funny because I had never jumped out of a helicopter, not even in Pensacola. Well, Pensacola, they didn't do like you guys jumped off the tower, but they didn't have a helicopter training. No, they had they had a helicopter day like the day before you graduated. Oh, OK. But we didn't get to do that because a hurricane hit us. Oh, geez. <laughs> OK. So we were stuck in the barracks for three days during a hurricane. And, so uh, you didn't so, get you didn't get the opportunity to jump out of the helicopter nope. in A school or in I never school. jumped in San Diego, right? Because you actually never I on helicopter. Once. They oh, took yeah. me out once. They took me out once in the H three and uh, and uh, made me go look inside us not inside the sailboat, but you know go knock on the hall and see if anybody's in there. <laughs> oh my god! I wasn't supposed to, but they were like, "Get this out there and put a suit on so we can go check this out." <laughs> wow. Hey, you were yeah, a rescue swimmer. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> it was all right. Let's I, got, go. I, got off that, I got off that flight, and Colton Schultz was the flight mech, and he goes, you look like the kid at the gumball machine, man. <laughs> thanks for the gumball. He goes, thanks for the gumball. And I'm like, what? He goes, you look like the kid at the gumball machine <laughs> waiting for the gumball to drop. <laughs> I like, yeah, I got the good jump out of a helicopter. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I get to San Francisco, and it's a culture shock, man. It's like get your butt together, and we're we're you're standing duty, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that's where I started being a swimmer. <laughs> and all right, so now once you've got qualified and you're done, you actually, this is where you had a couple really uh, tough cases or memorable. Let's call them memorable cases. All right. <laughs> <laughs> let's start let's start with my, I think it, I don't know if it was my first case but it certainly was early and uh very memorable okay I, I don't I we had so many cases in San Francisco and they weren't all you know rescues they were all like everybody else searching or yeah searching for the surf the windsurfer <laughs> yeah 2,000 windsurfers out there and you're looking for the down windsurfer yeah <laughs> Really? <laughs> really? Way to go with the details. <laughs> and then you have, I mean, flare sightings, uh, a lot of boat traffic in and out of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Busy, busy. Plus, you guys are staying yeah. one and four. Or, yeah. So. Yeah, they, you know, somebody had to go to school or get, get their vacation time in. And yeah, yep. it was, there was, there was times, I remember uh, Roy Griffiths, we just called him Griff. Him and I, I think it was eight or nine days in a row that him and I stood port and starboard duty because there was wow. nobody else. That's 24 it was, on, 24 off, 24 right. on, 24 off. 
it was Ooh. so bad we had a log book and it was called comp days and we had to log <laughs> how many days they owed us off right because you had to come in on your day off we owe you a day off or you stood the duty because somebody else got bagged or whatever yeah we had to keep a book oh my <laughs> I think gosh. they still owe me like 30 days <laughs> <laughs> uh there was a while you didn't go to work except for to stay in duty <laughs> wow but eventually eventually we started getting some a schoolers and people from other stations but yep. yeah it was it was murder i don't know how steve fry did it man i mean he started that program he was there for seven years he wow. started that program in the 52s they changed so so not only did they have to train themselves the pilots and the crewmen but they switched airframes like a year later so they had to redo it all because of the h3 and then you know, they got so low and thin on people that like you didn't back then you, that's all you did was train you came in and trained and you stood your duty right yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. you imagine all the training that was going on with swimmers like right Again, crazy. with an implemented program, you got to get all the pilots up to speed. You got to get all your flight mechanics up to speed. So you guys, you guys talk about how there was such a resistance. When I got to San Francisco, there it was like we're they were using the swimmer. They some well, some things part used of that, to happen. Part of that was they, Steve Fry's case, where they got no, guys. His, was, his was in '91, so it was no. a lot later. Okay, um, sorry, throwing that out. But there's so many cases that went on there that I'll I'll try to talk about a few of them, but uh, that led to like the advanced rescue swimmer school and. Yeah, well, Steve and I talk about that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there was a couple of there's another one that I want to talk about that kind of led to that too. Um, okay. So so let's go. My first case. I first case out of San Francisco that you really San Francisco that, re that really stands out to you. Because like you said, I mean, you were you were flying a lot, so. So go we ahead. Get, we get a call and go to the South Bay, and there's mountains like right next to the bay. So we're over the Fremont Hills, and we got a call that a plane crashed, and uh, it was in the evening. Um, the Bay Area is very populated, so there's all kinds of lighting, you know, the city lighting, everywhere around there. Except for up on the hills, it's barren. So it's really dark up there. Okay. <laughs> you can yeah. see the city down below. So we were looking for this airplane and it was hard to find. It took us a while, like an hour and a half on scene to like actually locate it. And it showed up in the night sun and it looked like a canoe, a big white canoe. But what we were looking at was the wingspan. Oh, wow. Okay. So they it was in the plane, that wingspan was in the ground and the tail was sticking up in the air and uh, you know, wasn't looking good. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I wasn't really, I wasn't dressed to go in the water. I was like in my flight suit and my boots and my helmet, right? And I grabbed, we didn't, we didn't have all the equipment back then. So I grabbed the flashlight off of the SAR board, you know, the L shaped one that yeah. doesn't really work, right? <laughs> Yeah, and I got that flashlight in my hand. I'm going down the cable. I get down there, and the whole time the ELT's going off, right? It's driving the pilots crazy, and I can hear it now that I'm down on the ground. 
and the pilots are yelling at me, can you turn off the ELP? And I'm like looking at the tail going, I don't think so. <laughs> so <laughs> I, the ELT I'm, should have been in the tail of the helicopter or in the, the tail of the yeah. plane, which is like vertical standing straight up and probably 10 feet above you. Higher than that even. <laughs> Yeah, Jeez, so, oh man. so I, I get over to the right side of the fuselage and I can't get the door open. And I can't recognize anything. And I'm like, this isn't looking good. So I walk around the aircraft and I get over the, the left door and I could pull the door open, pull the door open. And on the door, the guy's arm was laying there and it wasn't attached to his body. It was just so, oh God. But it was it was ripped from like his wrist past his elbow on the inside of his arm. Ouch. It was like gaping wide open. I could see the veins on both sides. And there wasn't any blood there. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like trying to figure out what was going on. Well, he had nosedived that plane in straight down. And the leading edge of the wing had impacted the ground, put an imprint and like bounced up. So it was like about an inch off the ground. And so it was a two seater with the engine out front and the prop and that was all just jammed up into the cabin up to the, the leading edge, like stopped it from going farther, right? Yeah. And the only thing that, that was there was the, had the short seat, you know, and didn't have like a tall back and then so from the edge of the seat where his legs were to about where his shoulders were, that's the only part of the body that I could recognize. Oh, so man. And the arm on the door. So I couldn't see any head. I couldn't, you know, no feet. It was all just crushed and mangled in there. And then the pilot finally gets a hold of me on the old PRC 90 radio. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, well, can you save him? I'm like, I don't think so. I think you better get the fire department or the, the FAA up here to check this out. <laughs> I don't think you really want me touching anything until wow. I get up here and see, you know. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. The guy's definitely passed away, you know. Sorry. <laughs> and they had they had left me to get rid of the, the noise and get away from that ELT. And so now I'm standing up there by myself and I hear these coyotes. <laughs> Like I thought oh. they were like right behind me watching me. Like, can you guys come back and get me? <laughs> Where's that fire department at? <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of that was weird. When I got back to the air station, I kind of it it was hard. The the swimmer that came in was Roy Griffiths. The, he was replacing me, right? That yeah. was the bag king, man. I used I used to come in at 3 p.m. for duty, and I'd be gone by 7 in the morning. <laughs> so many wow. Times. So he's coming in to relieve me. It's like sun's coming up. It's, I think they were just coming in for the day shift by that time, and he was going to take my duty because we just got back, and uh, we were talking about it in the, in the ops office, and I was like, I should have done something. I should have done something like CPR. I should have done something. Yeah. <laughs> No have a head, dude. You can't do CPR. <laughs> Did you have a head? No. Can you do yeah. CPR? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my gosh! Just yeah. out of curiosity, how long did how long were you left up there on the mountain or on the hill? 
Oh, you know, that was like 15, 20 minutes. It felt like forever, but you know, <laughs> that 20 minutes was something howling behind you and yeah, that flashlight <laughs> didn't work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was oh. dark too. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was one of my first cases in San Francisco. And it taught me right away that, you know, this job isn't all glory. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. That's holy smoke. <laughs> Damn, Tom. Yeah, so, so there's there is some there was a really big case after that that I went on. <laughs> so and that big case would be your air medal. Yeah. Air medal. Yes. Yes, and I do have that, so I get to read that, and then we get to hear the backstory. Uh, All right. Oh man, Thomas, you you had you had a lot of work going on in San Francisco, but um, this one in particular is is pretty wild. And, and so, uh, between the plane crash and this, how much time was there? Because this is 1988. I, well, I got there like in February of '88, so this is pretty early. I mean, this is the end of the year, but I probably so been within, there like six within months. a couple mm -hmm. months. So within six months, you have a plane crash, and then you get launched out on this. Yeah. Oh my yep. gosh. Yeah, you your feet were like right in the fire the whole time. I'm Jeez. sure I had other cases too. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's read this, and then uh, we'll get the backstory because this is pretty awesome. Citation to accompany the award of the Air Medal to Thomas D. Cooney, Aviation Survivalman, Second Class, United States Coast Guard. Petty Officer Cooney is cited for meritorious achievement in aerial flight on the night of 20 September 1988 while serving as rescue swimmer aboard Coast Guard H-3 Helicopter 1480. On that night, the air crew was engaged in a rescue of three people from a sailing vessel which was in danger of foundering in gale force winds and 25-foot seas, 80 nautical miles northwest of San Francisco, California. Following the successful basket hoist of two of the survivors, the pilot determined that the hazardous condition prohibited the second unassisted hoist from the vessel to rescue the remaining victim. Without hesitation, Pedro Cooney immediately volunteered for a night rescue swimmer deployment despite gale force winds, heavy seas, and cold water temperatures. The remaining victim quickly donned a survival suit and abandoned the floundering vessel. Displaying great courage and professionalism, Pedro Cooney deployed to the water and quickly successfully recovered the third survivor. After he and the survivor were hoisted, to safety, Petty Officer Cooney evaluated the survivors for medical condition and provided them with reassurance and encouragement during the return flight. Petty Officer Cooney's actions were instrumental in the rescue of three people. His courage, judgment, and devotion to duty are most heartily committed in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. God, I love these awards. And they're vague and they're... Ah. All I right. love the so way you, you say that too. Thanks, man. <laughs> I, I get all pumped up about it. You know, I, I, you know, awards are cool, and and I get it. But all right, so you got three people on a on a sailing vessel in twenty five foot waves and gale force winds. Gale force winds. Yep. Um, Game on. 
the only other citation I could find from our crew was uh, Mark Gerard's, and it names the vessel as the Seafire. So this is the sailing vessel Seafire. Okay. There, there's three people on this boat. They're traveling from Seattle. They're going to live on the boat and travel around the world. So they're on their way to islands out in the South Pacific. <laughs> Probably okay. Honolulu first, right? And uh, they meet up with the storm and uh, they put out a Mayday a P3 from the Moffett, Naval Moffett, the Naval Air Station in Moffett Field, picked up the P3 and got a hold of the Coast Guard and sent this out there. So I know it was late in the evening. I think I just came back from a flight. Of course you did. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I? You know, afternoon <laughs> your, flight. Your gear is probably all I wet. I had duty, so it was after flight. three, right? Yeah, uh, so yeah. I must have went on the evening flight. Yeah. <laughs> so all, it's still all your daylight stuff is out. hanging in like the shower. Everything's hanging. Oh, I, I think I was still getting off the helicopter when they told us we were turning around. Oh, geez. I didn't think I got to the hose to wash <laughs> off. <laughs> and... Uh, because they had to fuel it up, so I <laughs> I took care of myself. And uh, we take off, and it's like daylight. It's okay in San Francisco. It's kind of a nice day. And get around the corner outside the gate, and <sighs> the wind's hitting us, and it's blowing in our face trying to get there. And uh, so fuel, fuel wasn't like critical, but it was on our mind. And uh, oh shoot, you know, eighty nautical miles offshore, north northwest or right yeah it wasn't a straight line 80 miles we had to go like at a triangle out out yeah hypotenuse right yeah and uh, so we get out there and it was a catch the sea fire is a catch and it has two masts and i i should have looked it up but one of the masts had the boat had tipped over far enough and then the mast broke and it was coming up and following into the other mass stays and lines, right? So they yeah. couldn't sail. They were under motor and they didn't have a big motor on that sailboat, just you know, like a 20 horse inboard. So they weren't getting anywhere in, the, in those ways. And uh, Steve Fry kind of talks about this a little bit in San Francisco that, you know, it's not waves out there, 20 foot waves aren't just crashing one right at you know coming at you like like you're on the beach there it's just jostling like it's mercury or something right it's yeah up and down, right but there are wind driven waves on top of it so so there's like 18 20 foot bulges of the ocean up and down all over the place no no common sense to it and then there's like um four to six foot waves being blown over the top of it that are curlers that are you know coming over like a regular wave yeah and that boat was getting his butt kicked and when we got on scene and uh immediately they wanted off <laughs> so yeah. we get the basket out and and, and bob hassinger is the flight mech and he's hoisting down there and i'm in the troop seat that's the nice thing about the h3 is like a bus back there right and they, the swimmer is just a golden retriever back there. <laughs> He's just a piece of equipment. All right, go fetch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm in the back. I got all my gear on. I'm like holding my fins, getting ready to go. And I'm listening to what's going on in the hoist. And 
um, they followed the cable around the mast that was upright. And, oh uh, no! Like oh yeah, like so I'm like I gets my attention and I go up there and I'm looking and somehow they coordinated it to un unwrap it and so I'm like over the shoulder of Bob running the hoist and and Mark's up in the other side of the door the, the avionics man. And uh, of course, in H3, it has the, the tube like the tube lock, right? You pull the handle up or down to run the hoist up and down. So I'm not, I never flew on the H3. So I, I don't I know. Now you have the pennant in your hand, right. right? Yeah. There it was up next to the door. It was like a handle. Okay. Up and down. And it was like you pulled it up like to almost straight up and the hoist would go 200 feet a minute. So it was variable speed. It was very touchy. It was all hydraulic, and uh, and then there was a switch up there to shear the cable if yep. you follow it. So I get up there and I'm I'm look I'm actually looking down at the sailboat for the first time to get the cable on out of the mast, and Bryhop the pilot was like, "All right, let's get it done." So he. He tells the co-pilot, you get on the radio and you tell them to put two people in a basket when we get it down there. I ain't messing around with this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so we get the basket down there and they're like, okay, okay. And they're trying to get in the basket and the cable wraps again a second time around the mast. Holy and I was God. just like, oh my God. And I, I just kind of went back and sat down, but, uh, Bob later told me that he was going to share the cable the second time and he reached up to get the um, switch opened and he missed it when he wanted to fire it and I think I hope not he can tell you if you can get him on the show but I think I hope I wasn't in his way to shear that cable but wow if you were cable, that was, uh, it, it would have worked out well well it would have pulled us out of the sky in a heartbeat too but um somehow they got together and they undid that cable again the coordination between the flight mech and the pilot was outstanding and it was a life and death situation right then and there wow and, uh, the the cable came undone notice that two people were in the basket and it was yanked off that deck so fast got those people into the cabin they were fine you know they were just scared and had their belongings in their hands and sitting in the back of the helicopter and there's one guy left back on the sailboat and probably goes well we're getting low on gas and we don't have much time left and i'm not going to hoist to the deck again uh, you have the choice you can either jump in the water and my swimmer or get here you can ride this boat out and we'll come get you in the morning maybe maybe <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. Let me think <laughs> about that one for a second. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in the water. <laughs> well, they were already in their dry suit, so it didn't take them but three seconds to, to hang up the radio and jump overboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was like, by the summer, go get the guy. And so they put me down, you know, the, the waves are tremendous. Um, I think I hit the big wave and got in it and I unhooked. <laughs> While I was still in the wave, so it didn't yank me when I, when the wave disappeared, right? Yeah. Because I've heard other people talking about that. You know, you get in the wave and it 
all of a sudden goes away and you're still on the hook, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I unhooked yeah. and it's I, a shitty feeling, by the way. Like I, I never I, did I, that, actually. Oh. Yeah, you get into one side of the, the face of a wave and then you come out the backside and you're still connected to the hook and all of a sudden you're 15 feet off the water and you're like, what the heck just happened? So Yeah, anyway. can, especially back then when we wore the green harness that went under your arm. Yeah, that, yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I've been <laughs> totally blessed and very thankful that I have a full body harness and I have always had it. So you guys- Oh, I wore that you green guys harness. I don't know, like breakers. seven years I wore that green harness. Yeah. It was terrible. But uh, so I got, you know, the guy was on the other side of the wave and somehow I just it just got there quickly and got him and Bob put the basket right next to us, put him in the basket and, and then I got the hook later on, the bear hook down there and he floated it in the water right next to me and we were gone. In fact, we, <laughs> we get back to San Francisco, we don't need to take him to the hospital. Um, so we fly into the air station and park right there and you know we're now we're trying to we land and get them out of the helicopter we're trying to figure out how to find their boat again right in the morning so they can get back to their boat or whatever where they're going to stay that night because they didn't need the hospital they needed a hotel room well they they had purchased that boat the couple the first two to come up had purchased that boat and we're going to live on it for the rest of their lives and the other guy was their brother who had just gotten out of the Coast Guard. So, so when I was in the water and I grabbed him, I said, I grabbed him, I was like, are you all right? And he goes, yeah. And I goes, are you ready for a helicopter ride? And he goes, oh, yeah, I just got out of the Coast Guard like a month ago. Man. <laughs> I was a boatswain made up in Washington or something. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, you'll know what's going on. So put him in the basket. Choo. <laughs> oh, my so it gosh. A, it was a pretty easy rescue for me. You know, nobody was hurt. And. And the guy was very cooperative and <laughs> got to him. Nothing really <laughs> happened to me. So, yeah, we flew back and got them, you know, got them to safety. Well, the next day, the P3, the Coast Guard uh, C-130 from Sacramento and our H-3 and ships out there were looking for that boat and they never found the Seafire ever again. So wow. they probably, they wouldn't have made it through the night. And, uh, so it's a save. <laughs> three, three saves. Three lives, three lives saved. And uh, the pilot, Mr. Bryhoff, um, Bob Hassinger, the flight mech, AD2, I think at the time, and I got air medals. And the other two crewmen got you or Coast Guard accommodation, I think. Okay. Or Coast Guard accommodation. Not yeah. Accommodation. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. And wow, it all, man. <clears throat> it was all because Mr. Bryhop, uh, I don't know if you recognize that name, but he was the co-pilot during the Jeff Tunks rescue. That's right up in Alaska with the blue bluebird. Oh my bluebird, god. Yeah. Man, and yeah. I'll tell you, so Jeff Tunks was on here too. He's episode 46. And what a crazy oh. incredible story that was. But one of the first, you, I the mean, first one. Yeah. So first you one had, to get a DFC, right? He is the first one to get a DFC. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that you had him as your pilot going in there, he had plenty of experience with big waves, big winds, 
So keeping him Plus calm, he knew how, how to write him. things up. So when we got our medals, it was a lot of it was because he <laughs> he was the pilot writing the, uh, the scenario. Wow. <laughs> and then I don't know, once you're a hero of the Coast Guard, he kind of follows you along a little bit. I, I guess so. But I didn't, you know, <laughs> that's the rumor. On that case, and we got back to San Francisco, and it, it was just like any other or I don't want to say just any other place, but it wasn't like a big deal. I didn't know I was going to get a medal, right? You know, I didn't know for months that I was going to get a medal until it got approved and finally, and Bryhop came up to us, whatever, six months later, hey, you're going to get a medal, award. Wow, cool. <laughs> so the cool thing really wasn't the air medal case that I was on. I mean, it was really the flight mech and the pilot that earned those medals because of the tanglement of the cable. Yeah. That nearly killed us. But for me, the excitement started when they presented the medal to us. You know, the air station award ceremony. Yeah. 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 That's the story (laughs) you need to hear. It's, you know, it's pretty good. So I got to, you got to give credit where credit is due. And, and the Coast Guard has, um, they, they do some great, when they do an award ceremony for, you know, guys that have gone out on big cases and stuff, they actually do it right. It's, it's a good yeah. ceremony. It's, it's pretty cool. Well, it's kind of a special ceremony that day. But what happened was, is I had duty the night before. <laughs> and I assume you went flying. <laughs> oh no doubt about that (laughs) so the ceremony is supposed to be at like noon wife's family i had my wife and my neighbors coming all dressed up you know yeah but i had to go to duty three o'clock the night before (laughs) and of course ding 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 alarm goes off and (laughs) out you go (laughs) so so that the night before the ceremony, I got launched out on a, a sailboat that got ran over by a ship. Oh, the ship was calling The ship was calling to say, we ran over a sailboat. <laughs> oh, my god! Off gosh. of Monterey. So this is, this is like, I don't know how far out it was off of Monterey. It was a while because it took the boat so long to get there. So I think they have a 50 mile limit. So I think it was like 30, 35 miles out to sea off of Monterey. Okay. Which isn't straight out from San Francisco. It's another triangle. <laughs> yeah. yeah there, right? So we get out there and we find the sailboat and here's this old sailboat, an old guy on it. And he's just, he's not sailing. He's just, I think he had a small motor in, in board. I don't even know if that was working. So he doesn't have a radio. (laughs) So let's deploy the swimmer. Go down there and talk to him. See what's going on. So we're briefing up in the helicopter in the middle of the night. It's like, it must have, it was like midnight about this time. And um, I know the pilot was Miss Muldoon. Miss Muldoon was a great pilot. Um, her husband was a Navy pilot over in Alameda through flying the Sea Kings, and she's over flying the H3s. 
Well, we had briefed that we were going to put me in the water and I was going to swim up this hill and get on. So I go out the door on the hook. It's nighttime, right? And I'm going down and they're trying to put me on the sailboat. And the sailboat's getting closer and closer. And I'm like, all of a sudden the mast like comes at me and it like, I had to put my arm out and I bounced off it and I'm on the cable. So I'm like a pendulum getting pushed out, oh but it didn't hurt. God. I mean, it was like the end of the travel for the sailboat and I just kind of pushed it off. And, and so they, they zipped me back up into the H3 and I'm sitting in the door and I get my headset on. I'm like, what are you guys doing? You told me you're going to put me in the water. And now you're trying to put me on the, on the sailboat. And they're like, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's the first time so, I yelled at Sorry. <laughs> oh. So they put me in the water and I, I swam over there and the guy helped me get up and got on his boat. And uh, it wasn't a big sailboat. It had like the cockpit where the bench seat went around, right? And then we're sitting in there and he's he's looking at me and he, I go, are you all right? And he goes, what do you mean? And I was like, well, we got a report that you got ran over by a ship. He goes, ah, that thing came close, but it didn't hit me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I radio, I get on the PRC-90 and I tell him he's okay. You know, um, he didn't get hit. He's all right. He just has a little... Uh, I don't know what he told me, chest pain or something. So they're like, okay, well, check them out. We're going to send you down your EMT kit. I'm like, okay. So they put the trail line down and I grab the, the shot bag and I start pulling on the line and they throw the EMT kit into the water. Oh, <laughs> Instead man. Instead of like hoisting it down to me, <laughs> they throw it in the water. So now I'm like, oh, crap, it's getting all wet. You know, I'm pulling oh. in that trail line. <laughs> <laughs> there goes every bandage every compression yeah. every everything is now soaked <laughs> i i get it on board and the next thing i hear is we're going to get fuel oh <laughs> no <laughs> son of a bee <laughs> so the guy's okay they leave it's dark it's you know there's something about being in the middle ocean and how dark it is. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 big time. So the, so the, I don't know, they're going back to Monterey or something to get fuel, and they, they call me back on the radio and they go, "You're uh, the 44 is coming out of Monterey. It'll be there in like three hours." Oh, what? Did I didn't even come back and get you? That's terrible. <laughs> So I'm on the boat for like three hours. This guy, the only thing this guy has on the boat is like a crate of apples and they're all already old and they stink, right? So he goes back into the cabin. I'm going to get some rest before the Coast Guard gets here because when they take us in tow, it's going to be hell to pay. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I've been towed by the Coast Guard before. It's no fun. Oh my God. <laughs> So I can't go down because of the smell of the apples. And when I first sat down, he goes, I asked him if he was okay. And then he looked at me and said, are you okay? And I thought he meant like, did I get hurt when I got knocked by the, the mast, right? When I was on yeah. the cable. That isn't what he meant. 
he looked at me and he could tell I was already getting seasick. <laughs> I've never been seasick before. I, I've been on sailboats and boats like all my life, right? Yeah. I've never been seasick before. So the smell of the apples, I'm not going inside. It's dark out. And so I just had to go. <laughs> I sat in that cockpit throwing up heaving dry heaves until I couldn't heave. I heaved oh, nothing that... for so long. Oh, <laughs> and then the 44 shows up. <laughs> oh, so, so the 44, they can't talk to me because I have my PRC 90 radio. They don't have that frequency. <laughs> right. So they come up. I, I, they're getting on the loud hailer. We're going to pass you a radio. So I go over to the side and I'm hanging on to the stay. And here comes the 44. You know, I'm kind of like trying to lean over the boat so they don't have to get so close that they crush us. And I look up in the 44, the bottom of the 44 is like coming at me. <laughs> oh. And the nose part of it. And he like backs it down. And the guy standing on the bow at the radio and he like, like passes me the radio like perfectly and that 44 oh. is roaring backwards not to crush us <laughs> that oh, was probably the best that cock that coxswain was he i owe him my life <laughs> jeez oh man <laughs> yeah so, so well, i get on the radio <laughs> so, so i get the radio and they're explaining to me they're going to take us in tow and what what I have to do, right? And the guy goes, "You better tie it off to the mast." And so I got it all rigged, right? You know, they they shot me the line and stuff, and they take us in tow. They're not going to take us onto the forty-four. They're leaving us on the sailboat to to keep it going forward. Right? <laughs> so now we're in tow, and it's going to take us like four more hours to get back. <laughs> Oh my and gosh. I couldn't go inside the boat. I've already heaved my life away. <laughs> and we're going, we're, we're in tow. And it's like that boat is just like pounding through the waves. And the waves are like going, I'm laying on the seat in the cock in the back cockpit. And the waves are going by, right? They're like three or four feet splashing by and pitch black dark. And there's nothing but plankton everywhere. Oh, that's you know, cool. Have you ever seen plankton? Yeah, because when it gets like um, kind of charred up, it, it it's it lights up. It's it it, lights one of up. the coolest things. It's awesome. So I am like heaved out, looking at the water. Okay. All these green dots are like just flashing by <laughs> for like three hours, man. I was like, ah, please make it stop. <laughs> 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 so. So the sun's starting to crack up at like five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, and we're pulling into Monterey. And the 44 starts taking in the tow line and put putting us in side tow. And the, the old guy comes out and he goes, Don't worry about it. And I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> like, I'm not too worried about it. You know, he's talking yeah. about me puking, right? Yeah. And so we get we get up next to the 44 and I look on the deck of the 44 and there's like puke everywhere on that 44. And there's like seven, eight people on that boat. <laughs> That's a big crew, right? 
and, and I, I climb up on the 44 and I go up to the cox and he goes, I goes, you guys had some trouble, eh? <laughs> Looking at the duty. <laughs> yeah, I was speaking my guts out too. The coxswain's like, I'm the only one that didn't get sick. <laughs> you and the old guy on the boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you didn't either. <laughs> wow. So now I'm, I'm at Monterey in the morning. It must have been later than that because I missed breakfast <laughs> yep. Yep. At, at the station. I walked in there. Um, you know, they're taking care of the boats and they're like, go up there and get a cup of coffee or whatever. And I get up there and some guy hands, I was like, man, can I take a shower? Hold on, somewhere? hold on, start again. Every I, I time you that, go away. <laughs> I got I got to the station in Monterey and I was like, can I take a shower somewhere? And so some seaman took me in his room and let me shower in there. Right now I'm in I'm in my wetsuit. <laughs> so he gives he gives me like a pair of old uh sweatpants and shirt right <laughs> i don't i don't really want to give this to you <laughs> so i paid him back with some swimmer garb <laughs> nice <laughs> anyway so so they send an h3 down to monterey in the morning to pick me up and so the ceremony is like at noon so this is like 10 o'clock in the morning like all right the, the helicopter's coming to get you and they show up at the air station i have to get in the car and drive to the airport and i get there and they're still turned up right and i just jump on and uh troy jewett was the swimmer on the plane right he, he must have taken my he must have taken my duty when when the helicopter got back but he grabbed my bag right my flight bag so I had like a flight suit in there. I was like, oh, cool. Nice. So I had, well I had, done, Troy. I had the the sweat jersey on and my red booties. And I put the flight suit over the sweatpants and I flew back to San Francisco, right? Well, half of the crew, except for Bryhop, was on that plane. And the reason why they sent them is because they were holding up the ceremony until I got back. Oh. present the, the medal right that's awesome so, so we fly into san francisco and they're all we're landing on the ramp and they're all in there standing at attention and you know the family's all up front and it was a big big ceremony it wasn't just my crew the five of us getting medals there was 13 of us getting presented medals oh wow I think I'm not positive, but I think Bryhop was actually getting his DFC from the Bluebird case. From the Bluebird, I think I'm not positive. Wow. Somebody got a big medal because the air medals weren't the big medal there, and because it was such a big presentation, it wasn't our captain. They brought in like the admiral from the district to present these. Jeez, oh man, that's <laughs> awesome. So we, and here you we are. Get the, we get off the airplane. <laughs> I had no time to change. So I'm standing there in a flight suit with red booties. And I look like <laughs> hell because <laughs> I've been up all night. And I'm standing there. And of course, there's 13 people. So there's like four people that get their medals. And then they get to our crew and they get up to me. And I'm like, I'm like weebly wobbly up there. <laughs> and he gets up, the admiral gets up to me to present me the certificate. And or he had the medal in his hand. He goes, "You look like hell, sailor." 
And I, I looked at him and I said, you'd look like hell too if you went through what I just went through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, Thomas, that's great. You know what to say. He just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And he had so, no idea. <laughs> no idea. And so, so the memo, like, I was just like, I want to get out of here, get my wife and go home, <laughs> get some sleep. Yeah. So the metal, the whole metal thing was like, no big deal. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh my goodness. Thomas, this has been awesome. <laughs> but our crew, it's not over yet. Our crew wins the Coast Guard Foundation Award for 1989. So they for flew our case. whole, for that case, they flew our whole crew to New York City. They had a big presentation. They put us up in the Marriott Marquise for three nights. And, you know, they flew not only me, but our partners, our, my wife went with me and you know, they gave us like a thousand dollar cash to spend. That didn't go very far in New York City, but no, no, <laughs> it is New York. But it helped. Yeah, and uh, it might yeah, be so a we, cab ride or two. <laughs> yeah, so we got we we won the foundation award presentation, and um, th that's a pretty cool thing to look at the history of the Coast Guard Foundation. They do a lot of things for the Coast Guard. And they're not yes, just they Coasties. Do. They're people that have a lot of money and they support the Coast Guard. Whether they're ex-Coasties or not, some of them have been saved by the Coast Guard and they just donate and give their time. Well, they help out all over the place with the Coast Guard. And so they do this big presentation. And it wasn't just our crew. There's like five crews there. Wow. Um, I keep saying to you, my medal didn't really mean anything because it was overshadowed. Like at first, I didn't know I was getting it, and then when I got presented it, it wasn't a, the big medal, right? There was yeah. other medals that were better. And we get to the foundation award. You know who one of the other crew is? Oh, no, which one is Joe Rock? Okay, he's the second guy to get a DFC. Of course, he as is a swimmer. And of course, you're there. We're there. To get yours. And they're there. And there's Joe Rock. <laughs> uh, so Joe Rock overshadows me. I was a classmate with Joe Rock at A school. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. <laughs> but it wasn't either. It wasn't either H. We were both H three crews, and we weren't the big people there. There was a, a storekeeper, second class petty officer named. Um, Toki, I can't remember his first name. It's in the presentation I gave you. That guy got a, a silver life-saving medal, which is higher than the gold life-saving medal. Wow. He saved a bunch of people in the surf on a surfboard while he was on vacation in Norfolk or somewhere. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I was like in awe of him, man. Toki. <laughs> Dang. That's awesome. Yeah, so overshadowed, man. Overshadowed <laughs> twice. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I only took two surface rides, and I don't think I got the five points for that air medal when I made first class. <laughs> so that well, medal really doesn't mean much to me. That's so it funny. Does. It does. 
you know what it, it's it's still it's a it's a way to remember that in particular rescue and that case and you know to give recognition to the entire crew for a, for a job well done three lives saved i mean that's awesome right yeah so. there's so many cases that could or should have medals that don't they don't oh yeah yeah so i'm sorry if you didn't it's all subjective <laughs> you didn't get one i'm yeah. sorry it's it's I don't know. It means a lot to me, but it doesn't mean everything to me. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And then, you know, San Francisco was so crazy. There's so many things that happened there while I was there. Uh, for instance, um, uh, the Exxon Valdez happened in 1989. And that was up in Alaska. That was in Alaska, but huge... we sent we had the support that we sent H3 there for months and not only just one crew, but a bunch of people from the air station were there. Yeah. Like, like 25% of our air station was up there for a long time. So, so a little it, side note, a little history of my own there, but when the Exxon Valdez happened, so my uncle was in the Coast Guard and um, he was down, I believe he was in New Orleans at the time, and he was the only one that had experience with stuff like that. And he got put in charge of the entire cleanup. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So he was yeah. flying on all sorts of different helicopters. <laughs> so Dennis McGuire, I was like, oh, man, come on, Uncle Dennis, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. And then 89, the big earthquake happened. In San Francisco. In San Francisco, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, I had just gotten off of duty at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I drove home. I was sitting, laying on my bed because my wife was getting ready to go to work. She worked night shift. She started at 6 o'clock at night. Night shift doing what? She worked for Intel at the time. That was my oh, first nice. wife. Yeah. But, uh, Yes, she's getting ready to go to work, and we're I had the baseball game on, getting ready to watch the baseball game. And it sounded like a train coming through my back backyard, man. <laughs> and I lived in San Jose. I didn't. <laughs> I was pretty close, close to the earthquake. Our house shook from one side to the other, like two or three feet. <laughs> I was Jeez, sitting in the door. I, we were in the door, and she's in between my arms. I'm like, if I can just hold the door open long enough that it doesn't crush us. <laughs> holy smoke and everything glass that pertained to alcohol like crashed and broke of course it did Dog all the it. wine glasses from our wedding and <laughs> yeah so that was exciting <laughs> and then there's another one um bill graham hell, hell bill graham flew his they flew the helicopter into the wires Bill Graham is a concert promoter. He big famous. He like at the time he was promoting all the concerts. Okay. Throughout the world. Wow. And uh, yeah, they ended up in the in the high wires of the electric wires with their helicopter. Dang. And right after that, there was a another helicopter that crashed that had a Coast Guard active duty on he was at work in the helicopter doing he was like a doing some marine stuff over by the by the refineries yeah and they crashed into the bay and 
I was on that flight to go find them, but we didn't like do anything to save them. Did you, uh, then, did you guys end up deploying down to it or just find it? It, no. it was too close. It was close enough to shore that they could get to it. Oh, gotcha. Nah, and then <clears throat> bridge jumpers from San Francisco. It's, Oh, that's ridiculous. I actually, so I had another guy on here, Tom Moore, uh, Boston's mate, and he talks about that because he was down in San Francisco. Jumpers all the time off the Golden Gate. Yep. Yeah. Saddest thing. I've, I've yep. recovered a few. And uh, yeah, so, you know, there was, there was a burnout there in San Francisco because you've seen so much going on. And then you had the Steve Fry case. That was the last year I was there. Yeah. In 91. I think I was actually the first air medal for a rescue swimmer. You can yeah. prove me wrong. If anybody's out there that can prove me wrong, but I think my air medal was the first rescue swimmer air medal. All right. There was, nice. There was Jeff Tonks. Jeff Tonks had his. DFC. Um, yep. There was a guy, Ron Fien, that we, you and I talked about a little yep. bit. He yep. had gotten an air, he had actually gotten two air medals before I got mine, but he was only, he was a flight mech on a 65 out of North Bend. And one was a logger that he, he was, he was an EMT. So he got the logger up and, you know, saved him by the time they got to the hospital. And then he had another boat, sailboat case that he got an air medal. He had two air medals before I had mine. But they both said flight mech, right? <laughs> so yours as a rescue swimmer, potentially right, right now, mine, as, of, as of right now, is the first air medal for rescue swimmer. And it specifically Hunt. says rescue swimmer. Wow. And then, and then Joe Rock got his DFC in December that year. And then Kelly Moak got an air medal. Um, and that's that's a famous air medal. Everybody talks about Kelly Moak getting her air medal. Everybody yep. talks about Jeff Tunks getting his DSD. Yep. And then there's you. talk about Jeff Rock, but nobody <laughs> talks about Thomas Cooney. You know what? We're talking about Thomas Cooney right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's I made, go. <laughs> I made my mark. <laughs> it has been recorded. It has been published. It is, we're history. doing this. It is, it is there. Oh, it's there. It can't go anywhere. <laughs> so thank you, Jason. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> no, really. I, I hope everybody can get on your podcast and tell a story or two, man, because I really enjoy listening to them. I enjoy. Hey, me too. At first, I, you know, I was listening to all the Coasties because I was trying to catch up, you know. And uh, I actually, I've been enjoying this, the Navy swimmers. Like, we're just posers to those guys, right? You talk no, about McCann. Wait, you no, talk about no, wait, don't say that. Don't say that. You're, you're going to give them a big head. I'm trying I to love you, Navy guys. The Navy, man. <laughs> no, no. McCann uh, went what? in on the Marine Electric. We, yeah. we copied them, right? Yeah. But we took a different page of the story and professionalized it i like that yeah yeah what, they, what are they what were they calling us before navy rejects yeah that's a coast guard got it yeah thanks oh uh, <laughs> uh, yeah that's what fun we do we, navy. we get we get stuff and just make it better 
I can see that because it's only you and I talking. Well, we we had more money than them, I think. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For a while. Started a new program for a little while. Plus, we do a different case, right? We're out there saving uh, recreational marine problems, and they're out there saving ejected pilots. Yes. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You had one Navy guy, though, I think the the second to last one that's published now, Hawes. Yep. Jason Hawes. And he was talking about swimming. Well, first he talked about the jellyfish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then he talked about swimming with the dolphin and saving the dolphin. I was like, oh man, you got to save a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always said throughout my whole career is always save the dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I never got to save a dog. <laughs> oh man. That's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yep. So those are exciting times. That was many, many years ago. I've been retired now as long as I served in the Coast Guard. <laughs> That's all. And you know what? And the fact that you can like reminisce and talk about all these cases like with such fine detail, that just goes to show how many of these rescues and these missions and cases we get called out on that just leave such an impact. So yeah. But yeah, yeah, you you did that one podcast with the Enrique crew. Yeah, where you had the whole crew on. And we, yeah, that Don Enrique's. Don yeah. Enrique, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was exciting. That's... Listen to the whole crew. It would be so cool if you could get like an interview as they come back <laughs> from the uh, big risk. <laughs> I, I'll keep working on it. <laughs> you have to put somebody at every air station. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those spies. <laughs> oh yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's so many great people out there that do this job. You know, it's amazing. And there's so I I talked to you earlier before about books and and I had some ideas. I I think I'll give this one away, but I have some ideas for a bunch of books. But I wanted to write something about like the first your number five hundred, which is correct a cool number right nice round it is a cool number like i think right right now right yeah i love the fact i'm 500 (laughs) even i was like ah (laughs) i wanted to write a book like the first 300 right or it would be kind of cool to do the 500 marks now because we're into our third we're over a thousand getting into the third set of 500s right (laughs) but it was the first 300 that actually brought this program into existence throughout oh, the yeah. whole coast. Right? Yep. It took 300 of us to get there. Yep. For and sure. We're, all, we're just yeah, over a thousand. So I, I am definitely nobody's retired or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I was definitely not part of the growing. I was I was in the section of we are I'm gonna use our our group as like we I'm gonna say perfected it, but it's it's we well, we continue to tweak it to make it even better, and the guys that are doing it now, they're it's it's gone. They're professionals so far. now. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we were just yeah. young dumb kids when I went through. <laughs> we didn't I, know learning, we were learning the programs, and it's amazing <laughs> to hear like what guys have done when programs started, and the leaps and bounds that you have to go through. You know the trial and error, and you know this works, this doesn't, and then continue to learn in the process it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's amazing so. well i was in traverse i was stationed in traverse city 
Oh, that's one thing I wanted to talk about is the, the two times that I really thought for sure in an instant that I was going to die. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was stationed in Traverse City twice. And uh, the first time was in the H60s after being in San Francisco. And uh, the second time I, I went to Hawaii from there and then back to Traverse City the second time in the H65s. Well, in the H60s, there was a case that I was on that I for sure was going to die. And Jeff Tunks talks about being lifted up, and I'm sure I was there at this time. <laughs> but we've, we've gotten a call over in Lake Huron, and a boat was taking on water, and a ship was protecting it that was going into Alpena. So we're flying over there, we're coming up from the south, and there's no boat stations over there. There used to be one, and what they have now is just reservists running. So there was a reservist and a whaler going up to the boat, and we caught him about 12 miles away, right? And he's by himself in the whaler, and he's got a pump on the boat, and he's like, yeah, when I get there, I can get the pump, and he's like bucking the winds, right? So we fly up to the, to the ship, and there's a cruiser tied up next to the ship. And the pilot's like, well, we're not going to wait for the boat. He's by himself. How can he do anything? You know, We're going to put you in the water. You can go up on the boat and we'll send you to the pump that we have. And so, so I, they deploy me in the water. I free fall. And I'm looking at that cabin cruiser. And what I didn't realize, and the pilot should have told me, they didn't tell me, that the, the cruiser was tied up next to the ship, but the ship had its thrusters on to push against the the weather oh. so it was thrustering against the the against elements the yeah but so it's pushing the the wind is actually winning right over the thrusters so the ship's actually moving and it's coming at me and i didn't realize it until i got right right next to the cabin cruiser and i'm like holy crap, that ship is like running me down. Either I get on that cruiser or I have to go underneath the ship and I don't think I can make it. <laughs> it's got oh my 40 God. feet deep and 60 feet across, right? I don't think I can get down 40 feet without this ship just crushing me and scraping me all to hell. Oh, wow. <laughs> holy. Luckily, I grabbed that cruiser and, you know, <laughs> kicked my way up onto that boat the guy kind of helped me get up on it and oh, i was just like oh my i was just gonna get crushed by that freighter <laughs> wow Thomas. so that was like like that one instant like oh you better do something right <laughs> holy smoke dude so the second one out the second tour when i was there in the 65s I get a case on a, in Lake Michigan, way up north in the north part of Lake Michigan, on a cabin cruiser. They want off the boat because they're getting pounded. The crate. They're getting beat to death out there. And uh, <clears throat> we get up on the boat, and they had like an awning on the back of it, so I couldn't be hoisted down to the back deck of the boat. So they hoisted me down to the front deck of the boat where the cabin is, right? And the handrails and stuff. And because I was going down to the boat, I didn't like 
I know. I, I think this might be the reason why you tie your fins on you now. <laughs> but I didn't take my fins with me. Oh, I had, yeah. I had my number one. <laughs> I had my wetsuit on. I used to put like a Sorel uh, boots on over my wetsuit or my dry suit. Okay. You know, to keep your feet solid, right? Yeah. So I had my boots on over my wetsuit and my helmet on, and I went down to the boat, right? And I get down there, and it's like, holy crap, I know why they went off now. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I get to the side, I get on the deck and disconnect and get the line off the boat. And I go up the side, and I'm like, holding on to the rail. And I get to the door, and I open up the door, and the couple is like sitting on their divan down there in the in the lounge area yeah and they're just like huddling each other scared to death right and <clears throat> hello i'm here <laughs> <laughs> and so it's so like i i told them like i'm gonna bring you up to the front and i'm gonna put you in a basket and they're gonna hoist you off right so i take the lady first and i it it was a struggle to get up to the front and, you know and he puts the basket i had to like get the rope down and get the basket right there and put her in there get her in shoot her up to the helicopter and I go back for the guy and I get the guy up there and put him in the basket and the boat rolls away from me to the other side right like yeah the nose is that way I'm on the railing side over here and he's up on the deck getting into the basket and the boat rolls that way away from me and the basket just sails down and hits that the handrail was a cable, right? That's like two feet off or two or three feet high. Hits that cable backwards. And I thought I killed the guy. I was like, oh gosh, I just killed him. And he pulled him up. The flight mech pulled him up and got him in the helicopter. Well, he was okay. Luckily, he didn't get hurt. The wow. back of the basket hit that cable and kept him from the railing. You're talking the rail, the boat railing? Railing, yeah. Yeah. It was a stainless steel cable, but um. Oh, that so, sorry, cable. I was saying I, when you say cable, I'm thinking hoist cable, like hit the cable. Just no, like the hoist cable. Yeah. yeah, but all right. So, so the, yeah, it's that. So the, the guy the, gets the, in the yeah. helicopter, and I'm like, "Is he?" I'm like talking to the helicopter. Is he okay? Is he okay? No, he's all right. He's all right. We're gonna we're gonna pull you off, and they send me down the bare hook, no line, and I get the hook. And just before I get to the hook, the boat rolls again. And I go, I couldn't hold myself up. I had my knee braced against the cabin and, and the cable. And yeah. it like threw me so fast. It went 90 degrees. It threw me so fast. I The only thing I was looking at was I was going into the water, straight into the water. And I was going through that handrail. And I was hoping I didn't catch anything like my head or put the rail, put the cable between my legs or my arm. Yeah. Oh my God. on my neck. I went right through the middle of it and I hit the water. And the only thing I could think of is that boat's going to come down on me and crush me. So I grabbed like five big scoops of water and I go down. I'm in my helmet and my boots. And oh I, I must have got down from pretty far. I got down probably like 20 feet, right? And I decided I'm coming up nice and slow, make sure that boat's not there. And I got up and the helicopter's there and I'm looking for the boat. The wind was blowing so hard it blew the boat like a half a mile away by the time I came oh. up. On. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and they picked me up. My helmet was trashed because 
<laughs> it was fresh water. I didn't. Wow. I had to dry it out. Thomas. <laughs> so those are the two times I thought for sure I was dead in an instant. <laughs> Holy cow. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> some, of, some of the stories. Thomas, these stories are just crazy. It, it's awesome. Your entire career has been like, wow. <laughs> like, well, I stood the duty, man. I was <laughs> I, I only made first class. I retired as first class. And many other men, you know, made the chief and got the program per- perfected for you guys. Yes, they so, did. I, for sure. I was just there to stand the duty. <laughs> Yeah, and then some. Oh my gosh, you you got launched on some crazy cases, that's for sure. And I, again, thank you for sharing all these cases with us here. Um, before I let you go, I, I know this. Uh, there's a couple other things that, or one more thing you really wanted to talk about, and that was the Coast Guard uh, Aviation Association. So, yeah, I I am not their representative. I am a member, but uh, I want to thank them because they helped me out when I reached out to help another swimmer that's in a bad situation, Jim Stanier. And I didn't know who to turn to. So I called and uh, I got a hold of Butch Flythe and man, that guy did so much work to help me out with uh, a fund that we started. It ran for like two months and we collected enough money for his family to get them out of debt. And uh, man, that is awesome. So I, I, First, I want to really thank the Coast Guard Aviation Association for doing that. I, you know, Butch Flythe, hoorah, you're a hero to me and uh, to his family. And um, everybody that pitched in to help out, we raised way more money than I thought. I was hoping to get like maybe $5,000 that would help them out for a couple months worth of debt. And we ended up over $12,000. So they were able to get out of debt. I'm working with this family now to get them more help from the VA and other things. And uh, hopefully uh, we can get them taken care of, but I just want to reach out and thank everybody that helped out. And I want to encourage people to go there and look for the history of the Coast Guard Aviation through their website. And uh, I don't think you have to be retired to join, or I don't even know if you have to be a veteran, but get out, you know, if, if you feel it, put put some time into the Cape Coast Guard Aviation Association and they do a lot of good help for many, many more people. So, Man, awesome. You thank them. I want to thank you for doing this. And <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I do this just because it's fun for me. I, I love <laughs> these stories. It's ridiculous how much I love them. And like, I sit down and talk to my wife about all of them, especially like after we're done, I'm like, bam, wait until you hear this and she's like yeah 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 i'll listen later <laughs> yeah i think my wife's listening to all your podcasts i know she's watching you on facebook <laughs> nice hey thank you tell her to, tell her a friend right. time. hopefully i'll see you at one of these reunions and, yeah for sure man and uh, if know, i get out to sacramento i'm giving you a call for sure yeah we're going skiing dude come out in the winter that's right yes we're anybody go wants to get out here I'll, I'll meet them in tahoe or or they can come and stay at my house and we'll go to Tahoe. But I also mentioned to you before about the um, uh, Vail Resort Ski Pass. Yep. I think I sent you the link, right? You did. 
they got, if you don't know about it, they got such a deal for veterans and retirees and active duty. Like a retiree and active duty passes less than a day's pass at the Hill. That's awesome. Veterans one is like half off. So they got hills all over the place, out east, overseas, west coast. Great yeah. Got to take advantage of that. They do that because of uh, the founder of Vail Resource was a 10th Mountain Regiment in the Army. The guys that do the skiing. Yeah. He uh, he was they were out training out by Vail and he's like, this is a good place for a, hit, a ski hill. And that's what he, yeah, wow. <laughs> so the family gives back to the veterans, and I say take advantage of it and thank yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, let's go skiing, dude. <laughs> I'm all in. I'm in. I will see you out there. All right. <laughs> I man. love that area. I can't wait. <laughs> right on, brother. Well, thank you so much for all of your time and all the stories. Uh, big shout out to the Coast Guard uh, Aviation Association too, for sure. And um, thanks. Yeah, thanks, man. I'll talk right. to you soon. Enjoy. Right, I brother. can't wait to hear everybody's stories. Yeah. Call, call Jason. That, get on this show, man. That's what I'm talking about right there. I love it. Keep them busy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com that's jason at t-h-e-r-e-a-l-r-e-s-q.com you can also check us out on our web pages therealrescue.com our facebook page and our instagram page at therealrescue again a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today always remember when that star alarm goes off those in distress are praying for a miracle they are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>